party Like you were walking on to a yacht You had your, your hat pulled down real strategically over one eye You had a scarf, I think it was apricot Strategically yeah, tipped yeah, below yeah. one you eye had one eye in the mirror As you make sure you had a real cool <laughs> Gavotte Gavotte, yeah, yeah. And all the girls think that they'd be your partner They'd be his partner You said that you were watching this movie for the first time Failure to watch Yes, that is correct Okay, so I just wanted to get your, like, initial impressions on Failure to Launch. All right, so uh, I would also like to say not only is it my first watch of this, but this is my first watch of any McConaughey romantic comedy. Um, I remember there's this, like, whole period where all of a sudden, magically, he was in romantic comedies, and I was like, what? And I totally skipped them. Um, So I kind of walked into this... Not really sure what to think because he doesn't strike me as the romantic comedy type. Like he doesn't really fit that mold for me. Uh, and it got me wondering to why. And I think a lot of it is – and this isn't bad necessarily, but the movie plays up this idea of like how attractive he is, how physically attractive he is. Like in the – you know, within the first five minutes, there is a – there's an ab shot that's totally unnecessary. I mean it doesn't yeah. mean I didn't enjoy watching it, but you're just like – and this is not what you expect. From a male romantic comedy lead, usually it's kind of flipped, right? So that was a that was a nice little little difference. Uh, it's unfortunate because this movie, Manish, I I like to be positive on these shows, but this is <laughs> this is really bad. Like this is a this is a bad romantic comedy. I just like to tell your Patreon listeners out there that if you'd like to hear me more positive, go subscribe to Manish's actual podcast. Uh, in pod debut and you can find me on there being very positive uh, about French kiss. Um, I'd like Sarah, just Jessica Parker as an actress. Uh, there's not much for her to do here. And a lot of that, a lot of my issues with this are script issues. Everything interesting that happened to these characters happened before the movie started. Uh, yeah. and we don't find out about any of it except by other characters going, Hey, by the way, uh, this woman died. Or she had a horrible breakup. Anyway, uh, that's why they're so messed up. And you're just like, uh, the whole point of movies is to show me these things and to have the actors actually work with this. And neither of them got an opportunity. I think McConaughey is an easy guy to make fun of because he's so he's so affable and so approachable. And he's you know he's the the pothead and blah blah blah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've made an entire movie out of it. But, like, I actually do think that McConaughey is a very talented actor. Um, and not just in the kind of days and confused mold, but even things like A Time to Kill, I think he's actually quite good uh, when given the opportunity. This, uh, this ain't it. Uh, this is not the opportunity for him. Um, they're, you know, they work together pretty well. Like, they're kind of believable as people that like one another. Um, but also, speaking of the script, you have this whole... This whole recurring theme of adorable animals attacking Matthew McConaughey, uh, which is the strangest choice. It doesn't yeah. make it, – it's just like – and it, if it happened once, you're like, okay. So like the first time, it's a uh, it's a chipmunk, I think. And then all of a sudden – and then there's a, there's a dolphin who hates him. Uh, and then there's a lizard later in the movie, and you're just like, what? And you know it's ridiculous because the script has to point it out and go, by the way – uh, it's because what you're doing is against nature and nature is, I was like, Oh my God, literally no one would have gotten that if you didn't have, and God bless Bradley Cooper being okay, so we gay. We have to spend like five minutes talking about him. 
at some point. But okay, I just yes, want to say, sure. David Giannini, I am so sorry that I made you watch this. You know, though, it's 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 okay because I think movies like this, it's really interesting to think about and talk about. Like, what was going on here? Because this is insane. This movie is crazy. Like the fact that this ever came out and did business. Oh, shocking. this movie made a lot of money. Yeah, it made a lot. I looked it up, made a bunch of money. Uh, and there's little things that are good. I think, um, you know, I think Terry Bradshaw and Kathy Bates are very cute together. Um, there is a completely out of left field, like naked room moment later in the movie where you, if you ever wanted to see Terry Bradshaw naked, uh, here's your shot, I guess. Um, and But I think actually the, the kind of low-key MVP of this movie is uh, Zoe Deschanel. I think yeah, she's yeah, for sure. Wonderful. In this She's movie. the best. So like, okay, that relationship yeah. is way more interesting than our main characters. Uh, oh, her relationship with the Mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and also with Ace, with her, yeah. you know, her sticker. I think that well, stuff. Yeah. You could make a whole movie out of that. How like she likes his friend better, and she ends up getting you know hooked up with him, and it's like he has to kind of earn his way into her heart, and it ends up working. Like I love that. I thought that was great. So, like, okay, it's so funny, like, so doing this whole, like, Matthew McConaughey thing, I mean, like, I'm thinking about, like, okay, why, like, why did he do five romantic comedies when he clearly doesn't enjoy doing them? I mean, I think he probably enjoyed How Does a Guy in Ten Days the Most, because, like, that's probably <laughs> the most fun. Yeah. Um, but, like, why? I mean, I guess, like... Obviously, the reason is money, I'm sure. Like, these movies well, make yeah. money. Like, I'm sure he, he enjoyed the paycheck. Popular, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, like, he doesn't see, he doesn't seem like the kind of actor who, like, takes movies for the money. Like, at least, well, maybe not, nowadays, I don't think he's, like, that kind of actor anymore. Maybe because now he has so much. But, like, he's working with, like, interesting directors like Christopher Nolan and Harmony Corrin and um, Carrie Fukunaga, like, yeah. and True Detective. So... It's hard for me to, like, reconcile, like, the image of Matthew McConaughey that's going on now. I mean, I guess now he's kind of, like, in a slump again because, like, he hasn't really made a good movie since 2014. Yeah. Um, Half a decade. That's a long time in Hollywood terms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like, we think of him as having, like, this renaissance, but, like, it's kind of over and has been over. Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, the beach bomb, which I haven't seen, but, like, I don't really care to watch because it looks terrible. Uh, but I guess that's, like, people do like that movie, so I guess it's, like, okay. And, like, as soon as he does something good, like, he'll be back, you know? Right. Uh, it, but, makes me, it makes me wonder if he was doing this. I think there's there may be two things at play, and I have no proof behind any of this. This is just me spouting off, as I usually do on podcasts, is one – he wasn't taken seriously as an actor, even when he was doing serious stuff. So it's like, why not? Let's let's do a, a couple throwaway movies. I can cash that paycheck. I can, you know, look beautiful on screen with beautiful women. It's not it's not so bad. Yeah. Right. So it seems like kind of an easy way out. And I also think at this point in Hollywood in 2006, where where do the leading men and leading women go? Right. It seems like there is a gap that has still kind of not been filled. Whereas like it used to be, you know, back in the kind of olden days of Hollywood, like the leading man played the dramatic leading man. And that's, and it was, you kind of slid into that role and it was fine. And here there's this weird period of time where these kind of prestige dramas are, are being brought up. 
Um, and he wasn't really fitting into that mold and he doesn't fit into the romantic comedy mold either. So he's kind of yeah. stuck in between. So I think, I think what you're seeing on screen, at least in this movie is just how uncomfortable he is because, you know, they kind of, I'm trying to remember kind of the time frame, but I think there's also this period of time where they were trying to make him an action star. Uh, and that didn't Sahara. Really, Sahara, exactly. And that didn't work. So it's like now the romantic comedy thing and that didn't work. And he screams to me as someone who is a wonderful character actor stuck in a leading man's body. Like, yeah, because he's attractive, like, we're like, well, we got to put him in front of the camera constantly. But then it just gets uncomfortable. Whereas, like, if you look at the movies that he's most known for, it's these like really memorable, funny side characters like he uh, is, you know, yeah, he's, like he's demo, Street. he's ace, he's not, yeah. you know, he's not our main character. He's not Trip, which is a, oh God, just the, the name itself just screams someone you should never date. Like, of course, Trip lives with his parents. Like, that is so fitting. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm hoping he has a proper Christian name, and that's just the nickname, but I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know, his parents seem like people who would name their kid Trip, that that's yeah, it. yeah. So I gotta say, like, I saw this movie in high school. Um, like, it's definitely a movie that I didn't see in theaters, but I know I rented from Blockbuster. And I know that I bought like a used DVD of like for like seven ninety nine, and like I watched this movie so much in high school. <laughs> and um, I remember like when this was two thousand six, so it was like right around like when I was becoming a. Um, like, I think I was a senior in high school or becoming a senior. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, like, there was, like, one summer where, like, my cousins and I would just kind of, like, rotate houses and just spend, like, a few days at each other's houses and then, like, go to, like, the next house, the next house. And, like, this movie was one that we watched a lot for some reason <laughs> during that one summer. And, like, I we had seen it, like, so many times. And I think part of it was, like... Zoe Deschanel, I think we all just loved her and that, that, like we quoted like those lines and uh, she was the best part and like of course you know um, Justin Bartha was like pretty big because you know uh, National Treasure <laughs> this is so weird this is something that you posted about and it blew my mind is the fact that this was a time in 2006 when Justin Bartha was a bigger box office draw than Bradley Cooper yeah that is the, that is the craziest sentence that like, I've said in a long time. Okay, so I was reading Bradley Cooper's Wikipedia page today in preparation for this. And, like, um, he had been doing, um, like, What Had American Summer was, like, his, like, kind of, like, breakthrough, mm. kind of. And then he was, like, not really popular until, like, after. But I think he got, like, noticed for that. And then, of course, Alias, you know, where he's, like, like fourth lead or fifth lead in that. Um, and, um, and then he does... Uh, Wedding Crashers, which I think is like his first like major movie role, mm-hmm. and he's like the like the antagonist, like the villain, whatever. And then he does this movie, and then it's not really until The Hangover where he is like that's his like big like mainstream breakout. Yeah, that's true. But even true. then, like wow. he still it still takes him until he like links up with David O. Russell for him to like really become like a celebrated actor and that's 2012. So he had been working for like 11, 10, 11 years. It's nice plus. that David Russell did something good for us. That's, that's good. That's one. Yeah. Good thing I mean, Silver so Playbook, which I think is like the <laughs> least David Russell movie. Yes. <laughs> of all of them. 
Um, but yeah, and then of course, then he you know he gets his three Oscar nominations in a row, which is crazy. And then now he's like Oscar nominated director. Well, I don't know if he's technically on the nomination for *Stars Born*, the best picture. I think he is, or he's at least on the screenplay maybe. But yeah. um, I mean, he's definitely Oscar nominated. And like you know, that movie won an Oscar, was nominated for best. So it's like it's crazy to watch this movie where he's like, yeah, like I can't imagine any scenario except for this very specific <laughs> time period where Justin Bartha gets the girl and not Zoe Nation, and not Bradley Cooper. Like, it is like it's wild, and this whole movie is wild. The it's such a strange. Oh, it's so strange because you know the movie starts out, and you're like, okay, this this woman, her job is to get you know these grown ass boys out of the house. Okay, okay. let's stop there. Okay. Um, what? <laughs> How do you? Are they so common? It's such a common like, issue like that she can like make a, a living. Like her, this or is her like, only job. Like, I would understand if like she was someone who like facilitates like, you know, addiction interventions or something like this is like a part of her job that she does right. this. But this is her but this full is it. Here. This is the whole thing. It's <laughs> nuts. But then by the end of the movie, and of course, you know, there there's some moments that actually do kind of make sense where the parents kind of apologize to Trip and been like, We should have just talked to you. Because at no point and it was something I noticed during the movie is that, you know, they clearly want him out of the house. You know that as the audience. But the way especially his mother treats him, you're like, well, maybe she doesn't. She seems to really enjoy his company. She seems to like that he's there. She enjoys him, all that good stuff. Um, so you're kind of wondering, okay, what's going on there? So I love, I do like that scene where she kind of says, you know, I should have just said something, but here are all my reasons why I didn't. Like, that made sense. But by the end of the movie, it weirdly makes heroes out of these three white guys who are living with their parents. Like, it's just yeah. like, oh, well, he did it because someone he cared about died. And, and he did it because actually he's very rich and he's taking care of his parents. And he did it because the road is his home. And you're just like, really? What what lesson are we supposed to take from this? Because that's something you and I have talked about is an interesting thing about rom-coms is they usually have a moral uh, yeah. to, the, to their stories. What is the – Manish, I need to know. What is the moral of failure? Is it stay at home until you're 40? Is that the moral? What <laughs> what am I supposed to take from this? I like stay at home until you're forty, until you find that one perfect, perfect woman. And then they tie yeah, you up and throw you in a closet. And everything of, <laughs> like okay, the whole concept is that like what Sarah Jessica Parker does is he transfers the attachment that these men have towards their parents onto her. And then they move out, and then she's just like, Okay, bye. And then but she then wouldn't that heart? just make this spiral? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I thought of when they explained this, it's like, okay, that first part makes sense. You know, you got to transfer that attachment somewhere. But what do you do once they're attached to you? Then you just leave out of nowhere with no explanation. And these men are heartbroken and, you know, emotionally destitute and probably never trust another woman for many, many years. Like, this seems like a terrible business model and i know like sometimes it's it's easy to be like well it's a romantic comedy you know you just have to you have to suspend your disbelief it's fine but there guys there's a limit there's a limit to how far <laughs> i can suspend my disbelief like when the whole basis of her business which is important to the plot of the movie makes less than zero sense you have a problem it's like they didn't they just came up with a nice little nugget of an idea and then never really thought it through and just thought well we'll we'll put them on a boat 
Um, and we will reference the Philadelphia story. Uh, so maybe Dave will like this movie because uh, Philadelphia story is perfect. But no, not even that could make me enjoy this movie. You know, Sarah Jessica Parker like, saying the boat is yar is not enough for me. I mean, and like, what is she going to do after? No like, she's idea. not going to keep doing this once they're like married or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, none of this, none of this makes sense, which is why. Which is why the relationship uh, between Kit and Ace also – what are these names? All of these people and their names. Uh, the relationship between Kit and Ace is way more interesting. Any relationship that starts with you know, almost murdering a mockingbird uh, is good in my book. Not so good in my book is the mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on a bird sequence. This will be an animals, Manish. What? <laughs> what is this fascination? Well, you with- see – these men are going against nature by not moving out. Oh, God. So animals are just attacking them. <laughs> just, it makes zero sense. Like, this whole thing. And it, I think I I sent you a text during the movie, which I very rarely do, during that mouth-to-mouth resuscitation scene. Like, Manish, what am I, what am I watching? What is, what is happening right now? I don't, I've seen a lot of movies. Uh, and the thing that boggles my mind is not that this happened in a movie, because you can find crazy stuff in movies if you go into yeah. genre, if you go into like cheaply made films. But again, this was a wide release, and this made a bunch of money. Like, I would have loved – I want to go back in time. Like, you know, people are like, if I had a time machine, I'd go back and kill Hitler. No, no. If I have a time machine, I'm going back to 2006, and I want to talk to people who like this movie coming out of the theater. I want – an explanation. I mean, you can talk to me because honestly, I like this movie. Even though like I know it's so like doesn't make any sense and it's like so bizarre, but like I kind of really dug it. Watch okay, it again. So tell and, me, like, what did you? Where's the where's the attachment? Where do you grasp on in this movie? I don't know. I think it's just like <laughs> I I really I can't give you a concrete answer aside from the fact that like I think it has like some funny moments. Um, and actually, I do really like Sarah Jessica Parker in it. Zoe Deschanel, of course, is, like, great. And it's, like, kind of bright. It's beautiful. Like, um, I, I, I like that, like, these, like, mid-2000s romantic comedies, like, I know they're, like, bad, but, like, there's, like, it's kind of like what we were talking about with, like, 90s rom-coms. And they just have this, like, certain, like, vibe to them. And I feel like yeah. the mid-2000s ones have it, too. And, like, this, to me, is, like, the epitome of that because it's, like, you have these, like, bizarre like um bizarre details like the mockingbird and like the other animals <laughs> and like the fact that like she plays an interventionist like that's like not a real job that she's like famous and like gets business through word of mouth <laughs> it's like i feel like that's something like i can imagine like this being like workshopped in like a screenwriting class yes and like some guy being like yeah yeah and there's like a scene where like um the roommate has to like kill a mockingbird and like goes to a gun shop and like <laughs> and there's like a big dog death and like a chipmunk attack and uh, <laughs> of course there was yes so like i can kind of see like how i can see like how this movie was like kind of crafted because it seems like something that would be interesting and i think if it had like a better more like confident director then maybe it could have worked better, but I don't know. I guess I just have an affection for these like studio rented comedies that just take like kind of a bizarre premise and just make it and like fill it with like really charismatic actors. I mean, like there's really not, right. I think the only performance I don't really care for is Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And I, yeah, because, like, I don't know. He was leading too much on, like, uncomfortable dad. <laughs> yes. I mean, and if you want to look at it, makes a lot of sense once you start looking at the history of the writers and the directors. The writers are probably most well known for writing Get Smart, which is another, uh, which is kind of a failure. And the director is best known, I guess, for uh, yeah. Marmaduke. The, the Marmaduke movie in 2010. Uh, uh, so, so this this was actually probably the the highlight here. I guess Shanghai Noon uh, probably did really well. That was the Owen yeah. Wilson and Jackie Chan movie. Um, I watched this movie and I just can't help feeling bad for Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, uh, I think she deserves to be in a better movie. I think she is really good in a rom com role here. Um, and also this movie we have to we have to mention features a fake dog death uh which which is such a strange decision like i you know they explain that and that was actually the part of the script that made the most sense like oh this woman needs to seem to go through some traumatic event and then leans on this guy so things get more serious like i totally get that but if you watch the way that scene again is so strange mcconaughey's performance he looks like he's never hugged a human being in his life. Yeah. And that's it. Like, he's like, he's not really making contact. And I don't, and I'm trying to figure out as I'm watching it, like, oh, is this a choice? Is because he is trying to, he's seeing quote unquote, the look, which keeps coming up, which is just, you know, such a male, female, ridiculous stereotype. Like, oh, she wants it to be serious. And I don't, it's all the standards. And maybe he sees that coming and he's trying to remain a little bit distant even though right. they're going through this thing together. But I don't think so. I think it's just a poor acting decision. And that pains me to say, because I do like McConaughey as an actor. And I think that's, yeah. and things like this, roles like this is why everyone was so shocked when True Detective came out and he was good in something. They're like, oh my God, McConaughey can act. Where did that come from? And that's where we get the McConaughey And I think it's just like, he, he needs well-matched material. And he's just, he's not... He's just too he's too attractive and he's too cool and charming to be in a romantic comedy. Like you need to Yeah, I agree. It, I think in any romantic comedy whether you're talking about a man or a woman, you need to be able to make fun of yourself. And if you can't make fun of yourself, then no one is going to be drawn to you because like, oh great, you're a really attractive guy. It's a movie. Everyone I watch on screen is an attractive guy or an attractive girl. Right. That's not that impressive. I'm going out to the theater. I'm going to see someone who's sexually attractive. But in order for you to draw people in, you have to be affable. You have to be enjoyable. You have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and instead of admiring your washboard abs, be like, oh, these are the things I can improve. That's kind of ridiculous. And that's why his friends, his friends are much more likable than he is in this movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Because they're willing to make fun of themselves and make fun of the situation. And I think there's a moment where you can see actually how good Bradley Cooper is going to be in the future in his in his career. It's when he's the one who tells uh, Sarah Jessica Parker about Tripp's past. And there's this moment that they share that's just a look that you're like, oh, wow, there's actually something real and emotional happening in there, which as an audience, I think you're kind of craving in this movie. Because, yes, rom-coms are ridiculous and over the top. But at their heart, they're about emotion. And that's missing here because everyone is – you have your main character putting on a face and being someone she's not, and you have your main male character being distant and cool. So you don't have that connection that is sorely, sorely needed. Yeah, and like I was thinking like who would be like a better actor for this role, and I was thinking like Paul Rudd maybe. 
Oh, he'd be perfect. Paul Rudd would be yeah, absolutely perfect. I could, because I could cause he is kind of like a man-child. Like, yeah, exactly. Totally he's like that. a Seth yeah. Rogen type, maybe. Yeah. Like, any of those Avatar guys, I think. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, like, I think that, like, what you're saying about him being too cool, like, I think that's so true. Because in this movie, I just think that he is just... Ha- he just doesn't seem interested in, like, anything that's mm-hmm. happening. And it's kind of like, okay, well, like, you know, you are still, like, playing a character, so, like, why don't you act? Try. <laughs> just try a try. little bit. Yes. Um, and, and honestly, the accent doesn't help, because he's got that, like, smooth, sultry drawl yeah, going right, on. And you're right. just like, like, if this was real life, some very, very, very rich woman would be taking him into her home. And taking care of him. Like, he, this man would yeah. never have the problems that he has here. And, of course, like, I don't know. You know, if Kathy Bates was making me pancakes every morning, like, I might not want to leave either. Okay, you know, she's let's... doing his laundry and, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, so here's here's the thing, right? Like, um, this movie was made, like, I think, like, pre-recession. That was, like, 2008, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I can understand, like, back in, like, the, that, you know, like, back then, like, living with their parents is, like, kind of looked down upon. Because, like, now, you know, like, people in our generation are, like, moving back home because, like, we just have to at some point. Yeah. And, like, and now it's not such a stigma anymore. And, like, I have friends who lived with their parents, like, through, like, graduate school and then, like, yeah. bought a house almost immediately after getting a job. Yeah. And, like, they're, like, my age and it's, like, you know, they're just, it's just, like, a part of how, like, the economy works now. Yeah. And I'm, like, I always ask them, I was like, well, like, what are you doing to, like, um, contribute to the household? Like, you're not just, like, living as if you're, like, 15 years old. And, like, a lot of them were I just think- like, yeah, like, you know, we co- I cook for them, do whatever. And I'm just like, I can't imagine any adult over the age of 30 living at home and let, letting his mom, who's, like, retirement age almost, right. like, cooking clean for him. Or letting his dad, like, take care of him. Like... I was so, like, hello, like, even if you're living at home, you can still, like, I don't know, like, like, the scene where she's, like, making him do chores, I'm like, why is it such a, like, why do you have to? I know, and they're all looking at her, like, how dare you? And I'm like, hello, (laughs) you're 30 years old, clean your own bathroom, you're 35, actually, like, you have a job. Yeah. So... There's two things that that I keep coming back to. One of them serious, one of them not so serious. The serious one is I was thinking probably because of the conversations you and I have had is like this is very interesting culturally uh, because I think, you know, I think there's a reason these are like standard white straight guys. Right? Yeah. Because then it's like, oh, my God, what's going on? But there are people of other cultures that like living at home in a like multi-generational home. Yeah. It's not a big deal and kind of expected. And it and it kind of made me wonder, like, this would actually be a lot more interesting if one of the friends was from one of those cultures. And then you can have an actual conversation about, well, but what you're doing, you're not taking care of them. You're not helping. You are actually a, an albatross around your parents' neck. Right. Wait. Right. Whereas I am in my home taking – and they kind of do that with uh, Justin Barthes' character a little bit at the end, but they don't have a conversation about it. He just says, oh, by the way, the secret he's been keeping, by the way, I'm a millionaire. Like, I don't actually own the house. Like, you couldn't have said that two hours ago? Like, where, yeah. was, where was this coming from? And the other, yeah. the other thing I noticed, and it's something you mentioned to me off air, is, okay, so in the very beginning, he's at dinner with this gorgeous, gorgeous woman. Right. And he gets the look, meaning like, oh, she saw an old couple and she wants to be that old couple with me. Isn't that the worst, worst, worst thing in the world? Okay, so 
he has a lot of options as to how to end this relationship. He could be honorable and be like, hey, I'm not looking for anything that committed. So if you are, maybe we shouldn't do this. But if you're willing to just casually date, then I would love that. Uh, but of course, he's not going to do that because that would be mature. Um, he could, if he thinks his parents are such an embarrassment and living at home is such an embarrassment, he could invite her over for dinner with his parents. Doesn't do that right. either. Instead, right. he go home. He goes home and bangs her in his parents' home so loud that eventually they come to investigate. This is his master plan to end a relationship is to have sex with a woman in front of his parents. This is in a movie full of unhealthy things that he is doing. This yeah, might be maybe severe therapy. Yes. Um, and like, okay, I'm, I'm guessing that it's probably the first time they're having sex. Um, I mean, unless they're like... I guess, like, I always thought that he, it was, like, um, people he was dating for, like, two or three dates. And then it's, like, third date is when he's, like, over it. And then he, like, <laughs> wants to break it off. So he invites them over for sex and then has his parents walk in on him before anyone even climaxes. <laughs> like, he must be so frustrated. Like, <laughs> or unless they're, like, having sex at, like, her place all the time and then... Maybe. But yeah, I mean, I really don't, I don't understand it at all. It doesn't make any sense to me. And like, um, that's like, I think like the scene that I really like is when um, he brings uh, Sarah Jessica Parker over to his house and like his parents are there and he has to like, she's trying to like get them, get her to break up with him because of that. But he, but she's like, obviously she's onto it. So she keeps saying like, okay, cool, whatever. That's nice. And like, doesn't seem to care. Like, I like that because... That is a really good scene. That um, is comedically kind of a wonderful set of sequences there. Yeah, we right. can, And I love Sarah Jessica Parker again in those moments because you can see it register very quickly on her face, but enough that the audience gets it that she's just like, oh, you have got to be kidding me. Like, what is he trying to pull? But then kind of recovers and goes, okay, that's fine. Everything's fine. Let's, yeah, let's continue. Yeah. It is a little weird that it's like, oh, I'm about to lose my, my paycheck, so I guess I'll have sex with him. Uh, but then it ends up being so good that now she now she's really into him. Like, uh, oh <laughs> that's not the greatest. <laughs> at least at least Zoe Deschanel calls her out on it later. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, like, and again, this goes back to Kit is the best part of this movie. Yeah, I just she honestly she could have double the time she has, and this movie gets so much better by comparison. Yeah, right. Yeah, I just like don't. I, like, don't have anything concrete to say, like, defend it, except that it just, like, it just satisfies that, like, craving for, like, these kind of dumb romantic comedies, because, like, you know, it's just, like, funny or whatever. Um, and, yeah, and it's, it's probably just, best, like, in the background, like, kind of half paying attention to it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not sure. a movie that, like, you know, we, we talk about this when we podcast all the time, right? Like, sometimes we get so into the weeds and so close with a movie that you're like, well, let's pick this one scene apart. And this is not... That's not why Failure to Launch was made. Like, this no. was not a movie made to be like, well, let's look at this as scholars or as you would in a film class. Like, it's like, you know, it's supposed to be disposable and throw away. And I think it actually suffers when it veers away from that. When it gets weird is when it's like it gets a little bit more interesting, but it also gets a lot worse. Like when we get into this like man versus nature <laughs> craziness that goes yeah. on in the movie. I think that's actually the point in the movie where I kind of like turned on it. 
all the other plot stuff, you know, the the kind of re- the ridiculousness of her being this interventionist for this very specific clientele. It also makes me wonder how much she is charging in order to live on these few clients that she has. I hope it is a lot of money that she's getting paid to put herself through this. But that stuff is like, you know, there's a certain amount you're just like, OK, whatever, we'll just deal with it and we'll move move on. These two leads are charming enough. Um, for me to watch this movie but when it gets ridiculous when you have this extended paintball sequence when you have you know dolphin swimming up to him and either attacking him trying to drown him or deciding that now you are one with nature and i will pet the dolphin which is a strange terminology to use but this is the kind of movie it is like it is so so when it gets strange when it gets noticeable i think that's when the movie gets real bad yeah absolutely um I want to get your opinion on like the the climax where they're like tied up and locked in a room together, and also like people are watching at a like coffee. This shop. is wildly inappropriate, like on so many <laughs> levels. I was just like, I mean, okay. So I got the whole thing, like, okay, tie them up, put them in a room together, so they have to talk. This is classic romantic comedy trope maybe yeah. not so much like locking him in the closet and putting a, a post-it note on his head i mean that's a little much already but okay fine i'm even okay like his friends being like we want to keep an eye on what's happening so we make sure everyone's okay we see if anyone leaves and then it's like oh let's watch their entire conversation let's listen to their whole conversation and then it's like let's gather around strangers to listen to this conversation. Oh, now I'm in a, I'm a technological genius. So let me put this on the giant screen. Also, what coffee shop has this giant screen? This thing is, it looks like something you would find in the Apple store. Like it yeah. is huge and high quality and let us air our friends, dirty laundry, including like why you live in your parents' house, including the death of, of a loved one. Like let's air this out to the entire neighborhood, to these complete and utter strangers. Like that scene gets more and more uncomfortable as it goes. Like it starts out mildly cute. And I'm like, okay, I can see where they're going. And then it, again, like most things in this movie just goes way into left field and you're left there going, I don't feel like I should be watching this, let alone all of these strangers. This is way too intimate and weird for us to all be an audience for it. And I love how the video is like perfectly edited, like a Hollywood movie, even though it's live footage from one camera. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there's a lot of leaps in logic, which are kind of the least of that scene's problems. Like, I I just watched it. I felt dirty watching it. Like, this is something. Like, who are these friends of yours? These are terrible, terrible friends (laughs) (laughs) who not only are spying on you. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> it's, but your friends are not only spying on you, but they're helping total strangers spy on you as well. Yeah. It's which is really weird. And what happens, like, what happens is this gets more and more intimate. Like, what? come on, guys. Like, this is not appropriate, and you know it. At at most, you should be watching this behind locked doors at your home, right. shamefully. Not in public. <laughs> this is... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Um, so, like, to me, like, this, like, represents, like, the turning point of, like, Matthew McConaughey as, like, rom-com hero, where it's, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, Wedding Planner, he was just, like, the bland kind of leading man. Like, it was, like, more, like, Jennifer Lopez's movie. Uh, How's the Guy in Ten Days? Like, it's similar. Like, it's definitely a more interesting, funnier movie. And, like, Kit Hudson, of course, is, like, the scene stealer. And she's, like, the main character. Um, and this one, like, I think with, like, he is, like, now, like, becoming, like, 
the main character and he's like the center of the movie mm-hmm. and it's like because he's so uninterested in it the movie just doesn't have that kind of energy that you would that like how the guy in 10 days has and then even like with the next movie like fool's gold and of course like girls ghost or girlfriends past like the last one it's like they're so dreadful because he just has no interest <laughs> but like these movies are just like obsessed with centering themselves around him as this, like, too cool for school guy who, like, is roguish but charming. And it's like, I don't I don't really think of Matthew McConaughey like that. I mean, I, I guess that's, like, the persona he had from, like, Days and Confused and, you know, his other roles from, like, back then. But I just, like, I don't know. He's, like, too old for this. Yeah, it's so interesting because you mentioned Days and Confused, and I've mentioned it already, too. But it's interesting to me that – and I think you're right that this is what – this is the energy – they're looking for but please remember that that character is a college age man who is like you know what i love high school girls because they stay the same age that is the roguish charming guy yeah, right. that you're after in these movies and i think you're right i think in general he is very disinterested in these movies it, it reminds me of when like musicians sign like a five album deal uh, with a with a certain production company, and they're like, well, I guess I got to put out something because I yeah, got to get out of this contract. Right. That's what this feels like. It feels like you know he made a deal with the devil to you know be a movie star, and they're like, the catch is you have to be in five romantic comedies in like six years. And he's like, ugh, okay, I guess I'll do it. They never said I had to try. They just said I had to show up. And that's what this feels like. And I actually wanted to ask you because you are much more of an expert on romantic comedies in general than I am. But I remember. Uh, last year, a couple years ago, when The Big Sick came out, it was like, oh my god, yeah. the rom-com is back. Do you think this period of time is why the rom-com died for, like, close to a decade? Like, there were still rom-coms that came out, of course, but they weren't... They didn't make as much money, and people weren't as interested in seeing them. Right, so, like, my hot take is that the rom-com basically died after 9-11. And, like, oh, not to, like... Sorry, not to, like, talk about 9-11, but, like, that's me, like... It's like the 2000s is when like the rom coms mm. really like really started to die out and like because you know we had the heyday of like the 80s and 90s like you know the like the Meg Ryan era you know yep. that um, but it, like and I always talk about how these like actresses who work with Matthew McConaughey you know Sarah Parker Jennifer Garner Jennifer Lopez Kate Hudson like they these are great actresses who like should be working in romantic comedies and would have done extremely well in them yeah. from, you know, in the eighties and nineties, but because they, you know, they came of age in the two thousands and this like, um, era was, I mean, I guess it's like, you know, you know, franchises started to become popular. Like mean superhero movies mm. started to become popular, like action movies, like, like the Christopher Nolan stuff, like romantic comedies right. just fell out of favor because all these other things are, you know, are what's you know more becoming more popular and of course there's like the uh institutionalized misogyny there you know like sure. you know studios stopped caring about what women want and not mm-hmm. just the movie but the what, <laughs> what actual women actually want yeah so um i think that like yeah i mean aside from like nancy myers who always made money well actually the funny thing is that like as we saw, like, uh, this movie, like, made $120 million. So, like, people did go see this movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, this movie, like, was successful. And I think that, like, it's because, like, audiences are always hungry for this kind of movie, even if they're bad, because, like, you know, there's such a dearth of them that, like, they make and, money. And they're and, like, pleasant. I, they're yeah, nice. they're pleasant to watch. And, like, yeah. I would definitely, like, I can definitely see people going to see this movie and then, like, 
um, taking their friends to see it or having like you know a night out whatever date night stuff but I just think that yeah like this I think this like the 2000s up until like I would say yeah like the big thing is probably like the maybe train wreck I guess oh yeah that's true uh, yep. But even that, like, that had to have, like, the kind of Apatow stamp of approval. Like, I think, like, the big stake is, like, as traditional a romantic comedy as we have. I mean, up until, like, yeah. I mean, Crazy Rich Asians as well is, like, even more so, like, the traditional rom-com thing. And, like, I think it's because, like, Kumail Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon, like, they both, like, respect romantic comedies in a way that... I think most writers in this 2000s era who wrote them don't. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you also hit on a great point that Sarah Jessica Parker, if she'd been born 10 or 15 years earlier, like she would have been in terms of romantic comedies in film, she would have been a megastar. Like she's she's perfect for it, which I mean, if you go back and watch Sex in the City, it is like years and years and years and years of rom-com stuff. Like there are certainly some a lot of dramatic moments. But it's a romantic comedy at its heart, yeah. you know, and some of it you could see like, oh, it's actually a romantic comedy between this group of friends. Right? right. The guys are kind of they come and they go with the exception of one or two guys. They're they're in and out in like two or three episodes. They have a little arc and then they leave. But it is romantic comedy stuff. And she's really good at it. She is she's very comfortable and she is constantly able to make fun of herself. Like, she is perfect for romantic comedies, and I think if she had kind of come of age in a time where romantic comedies had more respect, had more respect I mean, she would have she would have been opening, you know, $100 million movies every year. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, okay, I mean, like, we haven't talked about her much, um, but I just want to go through her career again. Like, of course, she has, you know, Sex and the City is kind of her, like, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess she had did, like, a lot of really cool films like Mars Attacks and... First Wives Club, um, and uh, but also w, Mars Attacks. Right. Let's be real, Mars Attacks was one of those movies that we now see as like, oh, it's a really cool movie, and that movie failed. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Nobody liked that movie. I'm old enough to remember when that movie came out in theaters, and people hated that movie. I think the first thing I saw her in was L.A. Story. I think she had oh, a, yeah, a small yeah. part with with Steve Martin. Um, so you and know, of course, she did like a lot of um, like Hocus Pocus, Honeymoon in Vegas. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, she was in Ed Wood, right? Uh, I think that's right. Yeah. She, yeah, and she was in all these movies where the ones that did really well, she was a bit part or a supporting player, and the ones that she starred in would always like they'd be these like near misses. Like, yeah. oh, that was pretty good, but never quite got over that hump, which is why I think she ended up in television and doing really, really well for herself and good but for like, her. In her movie career, in this, in like even like during and post Second City, I mean, Family Stone, um, mm-hmm. which is like right after, which like I think this has become kind of a cult romantic comedy classic. I right. know a lot of people like that movie. I haven't seen it in ages, but I remember enjoying it. And then, yeah, Failure to Launch after that, um, Smart People with, uh, I think, uh, it's with um, Dennis Quaid and Thomas Hayden Church and Ellen Page. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's, like, kind of a cute <laughs> movie, I guess. Um, did you hear about The Morgans with Hugh Grant? Um, of course, the Sex and the City oh, movies. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how she does it, where she plays, like, um, it was, did you know that women can work and, like, can juggle 
their family lives and their I don't know. That's that the premise seems... of I don't know how she does it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, didn't we do that like way before this with uh like was it Diane Keaton? Was it Baby Boom? Like she Baby Boom, yeah. You know, I mean, this has been done. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing that's difficult about romantic comedies is you have to go over the tropes in a new way, which is, I think, what yeah. Failure Lunch was trying to do. But yeah. they went so new that it was like, oh, guys, what are we <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah. Oh, she was also in Miami Rhapsody with Antonio Banderas. Which yeah, really, yeah. That I remember really enjoying when it came out. Uh of course, this is in 1995, so that's back when I was a teenager. But again, a movie that just like – People liked it, but people didn't love it. Like she was always just on that cusp. And it's such a shame because it makes you wonder, like in a alternate reality, what is the world like with Sarah Jessica Parker as a full on movie star, not a TV star who ended up like her biggest grossing movies are the ones that are based on her television show. And she never really made it to that movie star status. And I think she's really charming. She's really pretty. Uh, she's, she's really funny. Like, she, and she can do the dramatic stuff as well. I think she's a really talented actress. Who's kind of gotten the shaft a little I bit. Mean, I think of Sarah Parker is like a very cool person, probably yeah. because of sex and city. And like, I think she pulls off that, like call like that kind of cool thing that Matthew Conaghy is trying to do. And she does it yes. so well. And like, I don't know what the difference is. I think she's just more committed to this movie and more committed to like being in these like, romantic movies because like maybe she's just like them personally more so than well, I think, he does. I also think his coolness is detached and distant yeah. and her coolness is pulling you in. Yeah. You yeah. Know? She's very alluring too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And not even like necessarily in a sexual way, but just no. alluring to the audience of kind of like beckons you to come closer because she has that, you know, kind of sly little smile and smirk going on all the time. She's like, you know, and she's, she's engaging constantly, even in movies like this, that she's got to read the script and be like, Oh, here's hoping guys. Let's, let's see where this goes. Because I, (laughs) I think unfortunately for an actress like her, and you talked about this in turn in institutionalized misogyny, there's just not that many great roles out there. So sometimes, especially as a younger actress, like you take what you can get. You know, you, you need to work. So yeah. that's what I'm going to do and hope that I get one of those romantic comedies that just launches people in the stratosphere because those do come along every once in a while. And she probably grew up watching Meg Ryan and being like, well, maybe I'll hit When Harry Met Sally. Maybe I'll hit yeah. the later version and you've got mail. And it just never it never quite hit. It was the wrong script for her, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I, I really hope that, you know, a romantic comedy that kind of comes along for her now and that she can just do like a – kind of like a Diane Lane type comedy where she could just like be this like cool older divorced lady who like, Oh, I'd love to see that. Absolutely. Yeah. It'd be, it's plus it'd be really interesting kind of rap to her career where in earlier movies, she was the younger woman that these older divorced women were always kind of rolling their eyes at. And now she can kind of play the other side of that. Uh, so that, I think that would be fun. I hope, I mean, I don't know what, what she wants. Like, let's, let's be real. Like whatever she wants to do, I hope she gets to do that. But as an audience member, I would love to see her in another, in another romantic comedy. Yeah. She seems happy doing her show on HBO divorce, which I think is pretty, I think it's a really good show. Um, and she's, uh, she's excellent on it. I mean, it's like, she's doing better work than I've ever seen her do on divorce. Um, and so, I mean, I hope, I hope she's happy doing that, but like, yeah, she definitely has like a a lot. She has a rom-com career in her. And I hope this like new upswing that the genre is having can like, you know, she can get something made where, um, yeah, she'd have like a big screen movie again, because I think she's so good 
in general. Yeah. And even failure to land, like it's not a great character, but she does a lot with it. Her chemistry with Zoe Deschanel is like so good. And like, give I, me that buddy comedy. I would watch two it's hours so of weird that. Because like, I don't think of Zoe Deschanel is like my contemporary. Because like, I don't know how much older she is than I am, but like. She has that, like, kind of, like, millennial dryness that, like, kind of came up that, like, through, like, movies that I watched. And, of course, like, Five Years of Summer and, like, New Girl. Like, she's always that kind of, like, sardonic character. So, and Manish, so... I, have, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> she is of my generation. She was born, like, ten months after me. We're the same so. generation. <laughs> uh, I don't know about all that. I think I think the thing that's really interesting, and honestly, like, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, Dave hates this movie, and Manish kind of likes it, but he understands that it's that it's bad. Uh, why should I watch this movie? I think it's worth it just for her because yeah. she plays. I mean, you think Zoe Deschanel now, and you think New Girl, right? You think Jess, and this is a very different character than that. This yeah. is, as you mentioned, much more sardonic, very sarcastic, kind of dark kind of brooding like this is the goth version of zoe deschanel and she's really good at, i want to see her do this all the time it's actually more similar to her role like in elf than it yeah. is to her role in in new girl and i you know and like you mentioned the two of them together i think are really great because uh because our lead sarah jessica parker has this you know she's got a little bit of wryness to her but she's still mostly upbeat and mostly positive whereas zoe deschanel is kind of like let me tell you how it is yeah. Let me make you understand what you're doing. And it's a really good interaction. And I wanted more between the two of them. Just leave the guys out. These guys are worthless and they live at home with their mamas anyway. Just hang out with these two girls. They're much better. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, do you have anything more to say on Failure to Launch? Uh, I think uh, I think it's an interesting movie to watch because it is so nuts. It is so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but sign me up for movies like French Kiss and like Return to Me. Uh, and if I can convince Manish to do that, you will hear us talk about Return to Me uh, on episodes of It Pod to Be You, which is a great podcast. And you should subscribe. subscribe oh, thank to you. I've, I've never seen Return to Me, so That's a I'd be happy to talk about Driver. it. It's good stuff. It's good. Um, I love her. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I like this movie. I think people should watch it. I think it's pretty good. It's like, um, my my friend Melissa from high school used to call this movie Failure to Make a Good Movie. Oh, well, yeah, Melissa knows what's up. I think about that a lot when I think about this movie. Um, But yeah, I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker, she rules. Zoe Deschanel rules. Bradley Cooper is lower build than Justin Bartha. (laughs) Like, still can't get over that. Yeah, it's a relic of this era. Um, Dave, where can people find you online? Like, what are you up to these days? Well, I am uh, constantly on Twitter, sadly, uh, so you can find me on there a lot. Uh, but if you want to hear me semi-intelligently talk about movies, don't go to my Twitter feed because I'm usually just trying to start fights. Uh, instead, you should listen to my podcast, uh, which is called A Podcast Directed By, where me and my co-host Mike take a look at the best directors film has to offer. And you can follow us on Twitter at Directed By Pod. Yes, and uh, thanks again for subscribing to Patreon. Hope you uh, enjoy this mini series. And yeah, please subscribe to Pod to Be You and follow it on Twitter. And um, please engage my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy doing it, and I hope yeah. Thanks for listening, Dave. I really appreciate it. Yes, of course. Um, okay, thanks for listening. Bye. That I say, all right, all right, all right. Uh, say just keep living, huh? Thank you. Mm-hmm.